Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. I think we've got a lot more to say about core assumptions. In other words, what I'm realizing, Craig, is at the end of each podcast, what we want to leave our listeners with is here's what they ought to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Jesus is – we kind of ended the last thing on what do you think life's about. Jesus is saying, look, it's not here. It's not yet. Understand your longings. Hang on. Join me yeah. in this battle. You know, we're trying to – and I don't think we've done that yet Okay, in this. You With know. God. Yes. Right. Let's go. Yeah. Can you give me a hint on how we'll do that? No. I don't know how I'll do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Great. Let's go. <laughs> Friends, welcome back to the Ransom Tar Podcast. We're cracking up in here because um, I feel like we are very ambitious boys yes. who set about to scale a mountain. Uh-huh. And it looked very, very adventurous and exciting from our backyard. And we got about an hour into the enterprise and, and got into the woods. Oh. And <laughs> we're just cracking up at this undertaking being a series on – how did Jesus look at life? How did Jesus look at the world? And, and I think when we get into a little bit more specific issues, it, you know, it's going to be a little easier to do that. But right now, we're on something as massive as how did Jesus look at God? Yes. And you know, what are your core assumptions about God? Two that I want to repeat from the last podcast that I think will help us get going here is um, how did Jesus look at God? Abba. He looked at him as immediately accessible and immensely informal. Mm-hmm. And just just how freeing would that be? How disruptive would that be for a lot of our approaches to God? But the formality that we bring to it, Jesus just trashes that. Mm-hmm. It's just gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. I mean, when, by the way, when Christ died, the you know, veil of the temple was rent in two. And all of that holy of holy stuff, all of that, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff, the ritual, the formality, the language, almighty God and everlasting Father, you know, Book of Common Prayer stuff. I used to pray it myself. You don't see it in Jesus. Yeah. I'm sorry to be disruptive, but you do not see that in Jesus. Mm-hmm. God is just immensely accessible and informal. Mm-hmm. Abba, Papa. Mm-hmm. And so there's two assumptions. Yeah. I mean, just as you're saying that, John, I'm, I'm thinking Jesus joined at the hip with God. There's this intimacy. And I go to Ephesians and just the, the uh, comparison of, of um, our relationship with God is being like the intimacy of marriage. There's joined at the hip marriage, this intimacy that is not only modeled, but we're invited into. Gee, that's just radical. That's so radical, both for the world and for the church, mm-hmm. that the assumption is that the goal is an intimacy so close, it's simply union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Madame Gaia wrote the book, The Soul's Union with God. Union, intimacy, mm-hmm. St. John of the Cross, oneness, beloved. You know, I mean, that's an assumption. The that, vine and the branch. Yeah, that Jesus makes. That mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to believe in me. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to be one with me. With me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just radical. 
don't just believe in God. Don't just honor him, revere him, bow the knee to him. That's not the point. Again, that's religious stuff. The the invitation is intimacy. The invitation is oneness. Yeah, yeah. What other assumptions do you see Jesus making about God? What are his core assumptions about God? Um, Dad, another subject here is one point in the last the last podcast, you said, you, you know, you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And, and the way you framed it is, I mean, he came, da-da, here he was. And I think um, one of the assumptions is that God just wants to disclose himself. He's make himself known. I mean, he's he's pouring himself out in every mm-hmm. sunset, every mm-hmm. rainbow, every beautiful odd fish at the bottom of the sea mm-hmm. and through the life of Jesus um he's a disclosing god mm-hmm. he wants us to discover the nooks and the crannies and the secret gardens and mm-hmm. everything about him mm-hmm. that's disruptive that's good i mean it's wonderful news but it's di- it's a disruptive assumption because i'm suddenly realizing is that how i look at god Today, in this moment, right. as you drive home. Exactly. Exactly. Am I looking for God's ongoing disclosure of himself in my life? Do I expect that? Do I look for it in all kinds of ways? Yeah. Nature, people, music, scripture, Jesus. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. There's something else about Jesus that I think we got to get straight here. And, and it's it's an assumption about Jesus and an assumption about God. and And that is... He is a he is a furious juxtaposition. He is a um, staggering, monumental. I'm not finding the right word yet. This radical juxtaposition of love and justice, mm-hmm. and it's like we want to pick one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a personality thing that some people just kind of gravitate towards the love God, and some people gravitate towards the justice God, but. But you see both in Jesus, and I think both are, I think both are just immensely, immensely important to know and relate and understand to God that God hates evil. Mm-hmm. He hates it, and He's battling it now. And the day is coming where um, Christ returns, mounted, leading an army, and there is a battle to destroy the kingdom of darkness. I mean. In other words, God is not passive. God right. is not idle. God is not distant. God is not indifferent. Um, something that you see in Christ is far more God is a passionate God. There's mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And among God's passions uh, is that evil be crushed, defeated, destroyed, named for what it is. And not made some passive truce with, mm-hmm. but fought, battled, brought down. That's what I'm trying to describe. You know, yes, a God of love, but but a, a passionate God that has a mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I just picture Christ um, throwing out demons, throwing over tables. Exactly. I mean, healing the sick, and uh, not in a frantic. Way no, but but just whatever came his way, he dealt with it. Mm. Mm. I just remember something else that um, I think it's Tozier that said, "God waits to be wanted." This is also true. I, again, 
just thinking about how God went about the whole thing called Christianity, I mean, God has the capacity to simply, you know, do whatever he wants, seize all the television stations and broadcast on them. You know, he could have just simply appeared, you know, physically to every human being on the earth and said, look, you have a choice. I'm here. What are you going to do with me? He didn't. There's this other way that he has with the world and, you know, what we would look at as the slow, bumbling expansion of Christianity, trying to tell people the good news about who God really is and the coming of Christ. You know, it looks pretty awkward to me. It's certainly inefficient. But one of the qualities to it is it's not overwhelming. It's not overwhelming. God waits to be wanted. There's something about God that woos us, but there's something about God that also he wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a terrorize the world and get everyone to bow the knee kind of approach to to making his kingdom known. You know, it's this awkward, slow um, approach that seems to, in some ways, honor human decision-making and, and, mm. and desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, as you're saying that, um, I'm just thinking of the word we've used quite a bit already. He's so disruptive. Mm. I mean, what he asks us to do, how he comes to us, how he makes us self-known. And, and maybe what I'm trying to say, he's so personal in it, in this intimacy. I mean, it's just amazing how he speaks to you, John, how he speaks to others on the team through different things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how he comes to us in yes. some unique, personal way. Yes. Yeah. Yep, it is. And and friends, I'm just aware of if our conversation is doing nothing else but helping to surface what your assumptions about God are, mm-hmm. then we're serving our purpose. Now, we're trying to chase down what are the right assumptions about God as reflected in those that Jesus held, just as we want to chase down what are the right assumptions we should have about life and what life's about. But if if all we're doing is is provoking you to think, yeah, what – what are the assumptions that I hold about God? And where did I get those? <laughs> yeah. Where did I get those? Where did those come from? And, and do they align with Jesus' assumptions about God? Yeah. And your assumptions may be sincere. Um, they may even be based on scripture and tradition and family. But the ultimate question is, are they true? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, sincerity is really big in the current world. It's not the views you hold. It's how earnestly you hold them. Uh, But that's just simply not true. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can be sincerely wrong. Let me add another assumption, um, Craig, that that you brought up. Um, He's returning. Mm -hmm. There's a day of reckoning. Mm -hmm. Jesus holds that. He holds that very dearly to his heart. He he seems to pin a great deal of hope on that in his life and in his own death and resurrection and and in his promises and assurances to the disciples that there is a day of reckoning. And I just think, oh my goodness, is that even anywhere in our assumptions about God? That you know again, not trying to appeal back to the mistaken, frightened, religious imagery that's been foisted on on people 
especially through, I think, what would be considered high church or, or overwhelming liturgy. And, and again, I've been in those churches and I draw a great deal of good from them. I'm just saying let's make sure that our assumptions about God are shaped by Jesus and not by our experience. Um, there is a day of reckoning, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. God is a God who is absolutely, utterly, totally committed to settling all accounts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing to me about that, John, and it seems like our hope is pinned to his coming again. And uh, I I just find that amazing because I find most people, his coming back doesn't elicit hope and, you know, it isn't tied with hope at all. Why not? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, you just... Because they're busted? Is that (laughs) – maybe that's it actually. You know, that's just a – here would be another great way of flushing your assumptions. You're going to see Jesus face to face today, one day. What's your reaction to that? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like um, I see it in the Psalms. David just clinging to the fact that all the injustice and righteousness will be made right. And for me – as you talked about, we were designed for Eden, finally. Yes. And every obstacle, it's it's like he's a God who has made promises and he's true to the promises. He is true and forever true and faithful mm. to bring them. Mm. Mm. Let me give a couple more before we wrap up today's podcast. And they seem so obvious. That's why I think we ignore them and just stumble right over them. Jesus' view of God, that he's a person. Mm-hmm. Like with a personality, mm-hmm. you know, he has a sense of humor. Did you know that God has a sense of humor, that that he's playful, that he's cunning, that God has likes and dislikes, that, I mean, just for example, in the personality of God, he's not an idea. Mm-hmm. He's not an idea. He's not just a force, even a force for good. He, he's not just virtue. He's not just ethical right. or righteous. He is a person. And this is so crucial. And one of the things that will help us get this is look at how immensely creative he is. Hmm. The most interesting people I know are creative people, whether they're bloggers mm-hmm. or dancers or musicians mm-hmm. you know, or poets or builders. Mm-hmm. Um, the most interesting people are always creative people, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, God is the most creative He's, his creativity is absolutely phenomenal. I don't think we think of him like that. I don't think we think person, person. We, again, even the word God is a problem because it's vacuous, it's lofty, it's 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 uh, somewhat um, removed. You know, Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. probably be a really really good thing, by the way, to just substitute Jesus mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, you don't talk about God. You talk mm-hmm. about Jesus. You don't pray to God. You pray to Jesus mm-hmm. because the specificity, right? In the past, God spoke to us through the prophets at many times in many ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Mm-hmm. The son is the exact representation of his being, you know. So there, let there be no mistake. We're not, we're not fuzzy around the edges here. There's a beautiful and compelling specificity. God is a person. It would probably do 
our listeners good to take a chunk of time in a setting that just is quiet or conducive to them being reflective and just to, just to ask God, um, what do you like? <laughs> Come to me. Make yourself known. Just yeah. the humble posture of I, I'd love to know you as you are. Mm. And gang, one of the first things he'll do, I'll almost guarantee it, is he'll ask you, well, what do you think I'm like? <laughs> because he loves to surface our assumptions. Mm-hmm. He loves to surface our assumptions. And that's what the whole series is about. Frankly, that's pretty much what your whole life's about, is God's trying to surface your assumptions of what you believe <laughs> about everything. Um, but what a wonderful exercise, Craig. Look, that's so good. God, show me and show me what I think you are, you know. Expose my assumptions so that you can heal them. Yes. Okay, so much more to say. Thanks for joining us in a multi-part series we're doing on how did Jesus look at the world? How did he look at life? You know, we don't want to call it worldview because that just associates so many dry, sterile, just dead academic uh, process when in fact the assumptions that you hold, the way you interpret life is everything. Okay, it's either going to rescue you or it's going to destroy you. And so it's pretty important. And that's why we're doing this series. Hope it's helpful. For more, come to our website at ransomedheart.com.